Welcome gamers to this week's episode of Last Call Gaming. We're at episode number 120. My name is Craig Prowlis and joining me today is my brother, Gino Prowlis. How are Pleasure you? to be aboard. It's always fun when you uh, jump on and we have these kind of... Uh, it's, always, it's always last these, minute these too. It's never episodes. planned. It's never anything. It's just kind of like, here, gotta go... <laughs> Hike up your cleats and get on the field. There you go, yeah. So generally, guys, Andrew would be here, but he's actually on a trip. So when he gets back next week, he can kind of tell you all about it. So uh, we usually use his camera. I'm using a different camera today. So if anything looks a little different or odd, uh, bear with us. We're testing it out, making sure uh, to see how it works and how it runs. So if you guys are watching this video on YouTube, make sure you guys like, comment, and subscribe to the channel. And if you can, share the video so that way we can get more eyeballs on the growing show um, if you guys are interested in any of the social media we have, you guys can check out our Linktree link that's in the description that'll take you to Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you guys are listening to the audio-only version of the podcast, we recommend checking out Anchor, which is the home for the show, but that also can redirect you to um, Apple and Spotify if that's where you want to listen to it. So, as you guys know, we like to drink beers on the show, and this one was actually picked out by uh, Gino today. This is the Orange Blossom Wheat Beer from Papago Brewing, which is in the, which is in Arizona. Um, it's an 84 score on Beer Advocate, which they rank that as good. It's a 5%. And I was looking at the status, and it shows that it's a retired beer. So I don't know if that oh. means that they're <laughs> they're done and this is just last in circulation. But, I mean, it's a definitely a nice citrusy orange beer. Yeah, I went to a different uh, shop that was closer to uh, where I was just driving in. Just browse the category. This one caught my eye, the Uniquely Arizona on it. Um, I can taste every little piece of uh, <laughs> ingredient piece of that's in there. It's a really good beer. Yeah, the notes on it say, um, our most popular beer, light American wheat ale flavored with mandarin, orange, and vanilla. I can definitely taste it. tastes like one of those orange, those um, those suckers they used to make, like the orange oh, vanilla yeah. They're flavor uh, suckers. Beer. Yeah, like a liquid old-fashioned creamsicle. There you go. That's exactly creamsicle. what I was thinking of. Uh, so if you guys are drinking along at home, feel free to do so with us. And if you ever want to recommend a beer for us, leave it down in the comments. And if we can find it, we will drink it. So before we dive into our main story, guys, we like to do What Are You Up To? Where we take a second to talk about anything we've been playing, anything we've been watching, any kind of cool stories we have that have been in the week. So, uh, Gino, since you're jumping on this week's episode, what have you been up to, my man? Yeah, so I just got to beat Bug Fables, The Everlasting Sapling. So this game came out on July 6, 2019. It was developed by Moonsprout Games, published by Limited Run Games and Danjin Entertainment. So it's described as a superbly polished independent tribute to the first two Paper Mario games with its own strong identity. So Craig originally turned this on to me uh, last year. And I loved it. As soon as I started playing it, it's just for some reason I stopped playing it. A game probably came out or something. So I actually had a week off uh, l last week and ended up just picking it up and playing through it. And I'm so glad I did. I mean, this game is probably one of the best hidden gems that I've ever gotten to play. So basically you start as these two bugs and he's trying to join an adventure guild. And your story just kind of evolves from there. It opens up into this world of, uh, I say, Bagaria. And it just has a cool bunch of lore, and it opens up the kingdom of uh, the bee, the wasp, the termites, um, and the ants. Um, and it has a really cool metal system, M-E-D-A-L, where that's how you kind of level up your guys. So whether or not you're fighting bosses, or you're just kind of exploring. This is what powers up your guys' uh, your gear. It has 
Uh, awesome platforming, good puzzles. If you're any type of fan of uh, Paper Mario, I just highly recommend you play this game. It's probably one of the best treats I've had in a long time. Nice. Sounds good. Okay, because I remember I started playing it, and I forget what came out, because I was the same way. I was really digging it, but then as soon as I... I put it down for something, and I just never picked it back up, and I was like, damn, because I don't, I don't see me going back this far with so many other things that are coming up and playing. So. And it's not bad. It was, it was uh, 40 hours to beat doing all the side stuff, and I capped the, uh, did the max level cap and everything. I just had a blast playing it to like 3 in the morning like for like three nights in a row, so highly recommend it. Nice. Uh, the other thing I was do doing is, um, I know you said it had come out, and you were going to watch it, so I ended up watching it last night, which is actually the movie Injustice. Uh, it's an hour and 18 minutes long. It's rated R. Came out on our birthday, October 19th, 21. And I know it's actually something I talked about on the show a while ago, and I was really looking forward to it. And again, to me, it didn't it didn't disappoint. I absolutely loved this movie, which is kind of contradictory to some of the ratings that it was getting. IMDb had it at a 6.3 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes only gave it a 60%. So um, I thought the movie did a good job. It, it has the concept of what happens when you break the most powerful person in the world, uh, which this is being Superman. Um, it has the idea of, you know, wh whose side are you going to be on? Because there's going to be the side of uh, what happens where absolute rule and peace. And then the side of like, we're not lawmakers. You know, we, you know, we have to follow um, everything. So going to bed, I actually gave this movie a 10 out of 10. But I kind of, <laughs> I did, man. I was like on the edge of my seat watching it. I was getting into it because even though I've seen um, the video, play the video game, read some of the comic books. It is its own original narrative, and I thought they did a good job kind of do, putting their own spin on it. But I did wake up, and I was like, well, let me think about it a little bit. I think the first two acts are fucking solid. I do think the third act got a little bit rushed. I mean, it's an hour and 18 minutes. I think if they would have put 10 minutes on it more to make it an hour and a half, I think it would have been great if they would have flushed out the last two little bits. I don't want to give any spoilers uh, away. But a lot of the cons it's getting is that, you know, it is rushed. It missed some key points. It deviated from the source material. But my argument to that is um, everyone's a critic when you when, when you know the source material. So I read Harry Potter books. Um, when I watch the movies, you know, you want to point out, oh, well, it's missing this. It's missing this and that. And it's got rushed. But in an hour and 18 movie, I don't need a bunch of character development and backstory. I know all that happens. I think they got into a real good pacing of, of getting right into the action and seeing what happened. So could it have benefited from being two parts? Maybe. I personally think an extra 15 minutes flushing out the third act would have been great. So I ended up giving it like a nine. But I think the movie's definitely worth watching. It's on HBO Max. Give it a try. Yeah, I actually just was watching. I mean, I was watching it the whole time. I'm thinking, dude, I can't wait for Gino to see this. I can't wait for Dante to see this. I can't wait for Denny to see this. Because, yeah, like he was saying, it is based on the old games and the comics. But that's the key thing you got to remember. It's based on that. It's the story derives from that. It is a standalone thing, especially when you start seeing what it does with certain characters. Even, you know, people like Aquaman and Shazam are instantly different from what you would have seen from the games or th and things like that. So... When you start watching this, you just got to know this is its own version of it. And my biggest gripe is, as much as I love a lot of the voice talent that is actually the actors in this movie, like you have Justin Hartley and Laura Bailey and um, who was uh, the joke? Oh, Kevin Pollack. Like, I love all these actors. The thing I found a little off was the voice acting itself. I mm. thought some of the voices weren't as good as I think they could have been, especially when you compare them to other 
DC movies like uh, Jillian Jacobs. I love her, but her Harley Quinn to me was more annoying than it was like oh, really? true to the Harley Quinn character, at least the one that we've been seeing in other movies. And um, as much as I love Justin Hartley, his Superman did kind of sound off at times when, when he was trying to like, deliver this this really deep presence. The only one that shined, I thought, was Anson Mount as Batman. Like him doing his Batman voice was extremely uh, spot on, and pretty much the whole Gotham family, I thought, did a really good job. But yeah, this movie is really good and it's we talked about it um a few months ago and it was about to come out but yeah now it's finally fully out and i think everyone should check it out especially if you're a dc superhero fan that want to see kind of more you know this kind of totalitarian superman um world that he uh comes to make so yeah uh that was a really good one so that was your playing that was your watching that was my watching as far as what i've been playing um is a game called the Gunk. It's published by Thunderful Publishing, uh, developed by Image and Form Games. It's this game where you play this character named Ronnie, and I, I hate the way her name's spelled. Her name's spelled R-A-N-I, like Ranny, but they call her Ronnie, so it's like, why not, why not just spell the name correctly? But she's with her partner Bex, and they're pretty much scavengers, and they find this energy source coming from this planet and when they go to check it out they fi they find this stuff called the gunk on it and um she actually has this arm that she calls pumpkin and you can upgrade it <laughs> and it it's kind of like sucks up the gunk and it like fights the, the enemies and things like that so the more you're exploring this planet the more it kind of opens up and you see that it's like it was once lush and beautiful and then this civilization used to live there but um as far as the storyline goes it's pretty forgettable. Like the game looks very pretty, but when you start looking at like the actual characters, they kind of look like clay to me. Like the clay, they look, I don't know, something's off about them. Um, it is a, something that for me that I've been playing, it's a podcast game. Like I'm playing it. It's, um, it's an exclusive for um, Xbox as well as you can play it on PC. But like, I'm just listening to a podcast while I'm playing with, uh, playing the game. It's got eight chapters. I'm on six. So if you are looking for something short, that you can kind of explore and tend to see what this game's about. I would say check it out, but you, you could completely skip this game, and I don't think it's going to you lose any sleep over it. Um, not a bad we, way to put it. Yeah. Uh, it's a podcast game. I it's, like that. Oh, dude, I love a good podcast game, because sometimes you got to put something... Sometimes you can't be engrossed in too much narrative. You just need to, like... That's why I, I keep playing Forza. Like, I play Forza because I don't need to listen to anything. I can turn on a podcast, do my driving, check in, do my daily, do a couple races, and then jump into Halo or jump into whatever I'm playing, because... Uh, when you start going down those Halo rabbit holes, man, there's no, oh, yeah. you know, we I went down like a 12-hour session the other day. You're not stopping. But um, before we get into our main story, I did want to give a uh, big shout out to uh, Geek Exploration, the podcast. I was just invited on their show recently. So a while back, I'd say close maybe to a year, year and a half, um, I was invited to do their podcast with them where we talked about the Matrix trilogy. So I was just recently invited back so that we can now talk about Matrix Four. So that episode is going to be up soon. I'll let you know on our end when it comes out so you guys can listen to it. But if you guys are interested in checking them out, the show is ran by John and Ben. You can find them on uh, Facebook and Instagram as well as their website at Geek Exploration Podcast and then on Twitter at Geek Explorer Pod. And they're big comic book guys too. So if you do want to check them out on Kickstarter, they started their own comic book backed by Kickstarter called Space Odysseys. Right now, I believe they're working on book two. I was actually a part of funding book one so i'm actually in their credits under uh, i think i put craig last call gaming or something like that nice, so very cool that will be a part of their history forever so i appreciate them for having me on and again guys i'll let you know when it is out so with that down and out of the way guys let's move into our main story which is that microsoft is in the process of buying 
Activision Blizzard. And what they just recently did is made a cash offer of $68.7 billion, making this the biggest deal in tech ever, let alone, you know, in the video game industry. This was announced on January 18th, and it is set to finalize by June of 2023. Now, there's a few things we kind of want to touch on. So this story, even though it is one, it's kind of almost three different things we want to pick apart is, you know, what's going to be the future of Sony and what their future is going to be with these franchises that are now going to be first party uh, Microsoft. Um, what's going to happen with the Game Pass? What's going to be exclusive? But I think first we got to at least tackle what this is going to do for the brand itself of Xbox and what they're actually going to be acquiring. So they just spent almost $70 billion on this uh, purchase that when you look at what Activision and Blizzard brings, um, they brought in $8.1 billion in net revenue in 2020, which is a 25% increase from 2019, which the net revenue was $6.49 billion. So they're buying something that is increasing its revenue output, which is always good. You want to buy something that eventually makes your money back. But the thing we want to point out is that it's going to be adding 11 studios to the Microsoft family. So those uh, studios are going to be Blizzard Entertainment, Beanox, Digital Legends, High Moon Studios, Infinity Ward, King, Radical Entertainment, Raven Software, Sledgehammer Games, Toys for Bob, and Treyarch. So this already puts um xbox xbox is already at 23 companies that it's developing developing for them first party and eight of those were acquired uh last year when they did the 7.5 billion dollar acquisition of zenimax media and bethesda and we thought that was huge back then so to see this other one almost be you know eight nine ten times bigger than the last deal was pretty impressive because this is now going to put them having 34 studios under their Big old Microsoft umbrella. So um, I just kind of want to ask Gino, you know, you've seen what they're acquiring because the other um, thing we got to point out is the big studios that they're going to be getting or the big franchises are going to be Call of Duty, Overwatch, Crash Bandicoot, Warcraft, Guitar Hero, Hearthstone, Candy Crush, Diablo, Spyro, Starcraft, Skylanders, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, uh, Pro Skater and Geometry Wars, and that's just the main ones. There's plenty, plenty more that they have that they can pick at. So, you know, a lot of people are questioning, you know, how big of a consolidation this is. And I just got to ask, you know, you know, you see what's going on. What do you think, Microsoft? You know, is it smart for them to acquire this thing with, especially with how much they spent? And how, I don't know how you feel about the consolidation of it. Like, do you want to keep seeing these, you know, these third-party studios go under first-party, you know, players? So. I don't know, what, what, are your, what are your initial thoughts when you saw this big thing? Because this is huge news. It's, hey, it's only January, and this is probably the biggest news of the year. It's big news, man. We thought $8 billion was unprecedented and, and a huge buy. $80 billion is just... $70 billion. $70 billion is just insane, man. So you got to. I break it down to three things. Is it good for the industry? I kind of want to look at it in three different points, from the business, the consumer, and the developer. So is it good for Microsoft's brand to buy this? The answer is absolutely uh, yes, it makes perfect sense. Xbox and Phil Spencer have done the math on this. They know this is going to be a money maker for them. When you put the context of Activision making $8.19 billion a year, Xbox Game Pass uh, provides them $250, $250 million a month, which is about $3 billion a year. So they're making about three times as much money from this acquisition on that. And that brings over 400 million subscribers to their uh, fan base and then 
that's hopefully you know that's going to add into additional uh, Game Pass subscription, Microsoft transaction. So yeah, from a business standpoint, yes, this makes absolute perfect sense. It's only going to increase the brand, which to me is already amazing. Second of all is going to be the consumer uh, thing, and this is obviously split amongst fanboys, and we're going to touch on that in a little bit. But I'll speak to it personally. Xbox is my primary uh, platform uh, for gaming and uh, the Game Pass is the way that I actually explore new IP and um, experiment on games that I just never would have bought. So for them to be bringing over all of this IP that I absolutely love, like WoW and Diablo and all these kind of things and give them the chance to be on the Game Pass for new players to explore, uh, computer players, people who haven't maybe played these games in a while to put them on day and date, I think is amazing. As an Xbox fan, you got to be super excited that the best service for playing games, which in my opinion is the Game Pass, just got a ton better. The part where we, where it gets a little more tricky is the developer side. And that's where I kind of want to read an article from Time from uh, Brandon Sheffield, who is the director of independent studio Necrosoft, whose journey was mostly funded by investments from companies looking to boost uh, the number of titles in their catalog to put them on a new pl platform. And their most recent example of that was Google Stadia. So one of the things that he kind of stated is, I just worry we're trending in a direction that is less friendly toward innovation, says Sheffield. Concerned about an acquisition like this sucking all the oxygen out of the room for smaller developers that don't have the backing of larger studios or publishes, publishers who are no longer interested in promoting indie titles. I don't want us all working for the same three companies and making the same kind of games or different shades or flavors of the same games. Now, I don't think what Microsoft buying Activision like this, I don't think that puts it into a position where we're quite where he's stating. It might get that way, and that's where you know laws and stuff come into play with, with Monopoly, but I don't think the context of what he's getting at is quite there. But it is a very interesting argument for indie developers who make money um, selling physical copies and doing all these other things and, and making money getting put onto other people's platforms. So um, I don't know, consumer wise, I love it. Developer standpoint, it could be a little little shaky, but as a business standpoint, there's no reason you can't do this. Yeah, because one of the other big things a lot of people are questioning is with, you know, the more consolidations you get, the less competitive um, certain uh, developers are gonna be, but when you get so much under one roof, a lot of people start throwing around the word monopoly. And I think a lot of these people are just used to playing the board game because I don't think a lot of people understand like what a true monopoly is. And again, I'm no legal expert, but just looking at the peer definition is the exclusive possession or control of the supply of or trade in a commodity or service. And then Irving Fisher even uses the example that it's a market with the absence of competition, creating a situation where, where a specific person or enterprise is the only supplier of a particular thing. So a lot of people keep saying, you know, Microsoft's becoming a monopoly, it's becoming a monopoly. And it's just not true, especially, you know, when you look at that, they're not owning anything and they're not taking away much. Because when you still look at the other platforms that you can get um, games on, there's still PlayStation, which is huge. There's still Nintendo, which is huge. There's Oculus and PSVR that are kind of taking up that space. Stadia, you know, it's, it's not it's that powerful, but it's still there. Uh, mobile gaming in itself is a huge outlet for people to play. And then you still have, you know, even though Activision, they've taken off the board, <laughs> there's still huge players like EA, Ubisoft, Rockstar Games, all the WB Studios, Square Enix. So 
I, I just, I'm kind of, I don't like hearing people keep using this term because I don't think they're getting exactly what a monopoly truly is. Now, once, if Microsoft were to start moving forward and buying up EA and Rockstar or even like a Nintendo, then I think we can start eyeballing that and being worried. But as of right now, I don't think there's any issue. But as far as what, you know, he was saying, I can understand where he's not liking that the smaller the industry shrinks is just the less outlets you have to go to and be creative and in a space like video games you need to stay competitive and creative to help keep the other people their workflow at maximum capacity because the more people you take away and put under one spot the less you're going to be able to get these different things going against certain companies so um i do want to bring up though because we have to touch on this is that you know, it looks like it's all sunshine and rainbows of Microsoft buying this and getting all these games and all this good stuff coming to Game Pass. But we've got to look at the fact that um, they're taking on a lot of bad press too. You know, recently Ubisoft and Activision and Blizzard have been under huge lawsuits. They've been doing, they're these companies that are just, you know, accused and being proven of having these huge toxic environments, these huge, what they call frat boy culture where, People are coming in drunk, how they're sexually <laughs> harassing women, how their women are being skipped over for promotions, that the crunch time is insane. You know, recently Raven had a walkout where a lot of their employees, you know, were getting their QA, were getting released. You know, they're they're under a Call of Duty where they were making like five hundred something million like daily and they're letting people go saying that they can't afford them. So when you look at what they're taking on, especially when you look at the CEO, uh, Bobby Kotick, this is the biggest thing people are having an issue with is that this guy's ran this company for 30 years and this has all been happening under his eyes. So there's an article on the verge and I'll just kind of, you know, quickly catch you up on what they've been looking at. And it says Microsoft's deal comes after months of sexual harassment claims against Activision Blizzard. Last July, the California department of fair employment and housing, sued Activision Blizzard for promoting a culture of constant sexual harassment. More employees have come forward with more allegations of sexual misconduct ever since, and the company reached an $18 million settlement with the U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission in September. That settlement is being appealed, and reports indicate that nearly 40 Activision Blizzard employees have reportedly exited the company since last July. So even though we like, you know, as, as Xbox fans like that they're taking Activision, Look at what they're taking on. They have this toxic environment where people are leaving the company that gamers aren't buying as many games as they as they used to from Activision because they've been around as far back as like Atari. So one of the other things you got to look at is what are they doing? You know, so they've generally had a hands off <laughs> approach as of recently when they acquire studios, they let studios kind of do their own thing, especially look at what Playground recently did with Forza Horizon 5. They let the company do what they had to do when they used to kind of you know, put their will under the culture of other studios such as like Lionhead and Press Play, the more hands-on they were, they fumbled. And those companies eventually closed. But you can't really attack Activision and not be both at the same time. I would assume that their goal or at least the strategy would be be hands-off as far as the creative team. But you need to be hands-on as far as cleaning up the environment. Because just recently, you know, Phil Spencer has been um, promoted to the CEO of Microsoft Gaming, but that's still not going to kick in until June 30th, 2023, when the deal finalizes. And Bobby Kotick is still going to be CEO for another year and a half. So 
it's you got to just remember that Xbox is taking on kind of a bad taste in their mouth uh, that they're even doing this. But at the same time, because you and I were talking about is like, who else could have came in and saved this company? Because it would have been, I think, even worse if it started breaking apart and becoming separate entities. So I do think it is important that Xbox is coming in. And I don't want to say saving them per se, but cleaning it up and at least what I hope is going to start taking care of employees that have been under three decades worth mm-hmm. of harassment. How, how did you look at that? Do you think they'll be more hands-on, hands-off, mixture of both? <clears throat> no, I think you summed it up uh, perfectly. I mean, Microsoft, when they came in and they tried taking it over, they they did miss up a couple of studios, like you said, Linehead and, uh, and Press Play, but... And this is a scenario where you you absolutely have to do something. It's a PR shitstorm. So I mean, like even though they're buying a, a bunch of studios, they're also buying like uh, Major League Gaming and the and the the Demonware uh, software. They're inheriting a bunch of crap. So at this point, you're going to have to do something. They're going to have to trim the fat. You're going to have to go in there because the people are demanding for heads to to get rolled. They can't have a situation like that. So I think under Phil Spencer's guidance, it I hopefully it is going to be a knight in shining armor that can just come in, clean house, um, let the creative team kind of stay there because you want these studios to do their own thing. They don't want too much involvement, but you're going to have to make cuts at the top and, and make sure it's a smooth operating machine moving forward yeah the only thing i know people are upset about is um bobby kodak man this guy's gonna walk away rich as shit and a lot of people are kind of arguing you know is that fair does this guy get to do what he did for 30 years and then walk out just fat paid and you know the only kind of answer is well what else can you do because all these all the court allegations are kind of stopping in their tracks and i would just say it's almost like clean break Mm -hmm. you know it's unfortunate that this guy's gonna walk away. You'll probably never hear from him again. He might start another company, but with all the bad rep behind it, who's gonna want to be a part of it? And is what's you know is the lesser of two evils letting him be a clean break? And now Activision gets to start over. You know, a phoenix rising from the, from ashes, the ashes as a new company. Then I think that's what we've all wanted because we've all like these studios. We mm-hmm. want to play new games and we want to continue playing games like Call of Duty, but. It's there's a difference when Ravens under crunch and walking out. We don't want that anymore. And I'm super um, looking forward to seeing how that's going to be moving forward. So with that being said, is there anything else you want to add on that? Nope, that was perfect. Is with that being said, we've got to now see what is going to happen with Sony <laughs> moving forward. What's gonna happen with the game pass? What's gonna be the exclusives? Because a lot of people, when you first hear this news, is okay, great. Call of Duty is now off of PlayStation. It's going to be an exclusive for um, Xbox, and or you know, or what, what are they going to do? So, um, pretty much right after the uh, announcement, uh, Phil Spencer actually had a tweet saying this: uh, "Had good calls this week with leaders at Sony. I confirmed our intent to honor all existing agreements upon acquisition of Activision Blizzard and our desire to keep Call of Duty on PlayStation." Sony is an important part of our industry and we value our relationship. So they've kind of, and other articles kind of reinforce the fact that Sony did have a lot of things going on behind closed doors with Activision and Blizzard. They're already set in place. And Phil Spencer's just kind of reconfirming that, you know, they're still going to get all that. And that's the beauty of Microsoft is that, and Xbox is they play nice. They are allowing this thing to still mm-hmm. move forward. But at the same time, you don't spend $70 billion without making you know without redefining what you are in terms of exclusives but 
You know, the bigger thing is they say Call of Duty is going to remain on PlayStation. They don't really specify in what capacity because Call of Duty, in the loosest sense of the term, could just be that the Battle Royale, the Call of Duty mm -hmm. Warzone, is going to remain on there. As far as the hardline titles, Call of Duty, we could easily see become exclusives and day one game passes. And, you know, when it comes to that, I'm just really curious of, like, does that stop? Would that make it no longer the best-selling game of the year if you, you know what i mean if you can't buy it on playstation anymore and it's a game pass you know free you game download instead of is, buy it. yeah do you think it's going to be the biggest selling anymore and i you got to remember xbox isn't looking at things like that anymore they're moving into subscription passes because mm -hmm. i was talking with andrew and i can't wait till he gets back but he was even mentioning he's like oh sony xbox buying this you know i don't see the any big ramifications and I, in my mind I, I just i think it's the complete opposite i'm like dude this is going to be huge especially for the next few years because xbox has even said that they don't look at playstation and nintendo as their main competitors yes they're in the gaming space but they're they're in the tech industry and acquiring mm -hmm. activision completely boasted their in-house tech infrastructure as well as putting them heavily into mobile gaming and they look at their competitors more as google as amazon as apple so i can see them still playing nice and putting things across the board but i'd have to imagine that a lot of this is either going to be exclusives uh i don't know what do you think they're going to do with this so do you have any ideas of what you think they might um do with some of these properties i think that when it comes to the cross platform they're lucky to have phil spencer uh on there because he like i said he is he's such a g willing to you know you know because they're, they're money makers hand you know first and foremost so if it turns out hey we're gonna make this cross cross platform still and we are making money doing it then yeah we're gonna continue some of the highest ones like call of duty are gonna continue to do that in a year or two, if they do the math, they're like, no, we're going to gatekeep it. They're going to gatekeep it. You spent $70 billion. At the end of the day, you're still a business. Now, um, I'm dying to see now that they bought it. I would love to see stuff like um, Lost Vikings come back as a Game, game Pass game or even a new uh, game of it. Um, Warcraft 3 would be great to come back. Starcraft, finally, on the Game Pass would be something that Sony and everyone else that they couldn't do. So I'm excited to see stuff like that maybe happen. And greedily, my answer is I actually want everything they buy to be gate guarded behind Xbox. And my reason behind uh, that is um, it's just a, if Microsoft does decide to gatekeep Call of Duty, which is a prime example, my biggest fight for that would be innovation. Because when you start, when you start to see EA buy like all of the sports names and rights what did that make sega do it made them create uh 2k games and it made them create an uh an ip that was potentially better than what had happened so i'm hoping that if they do gatekeep this sony gives you a reason to stay on their platform if call of duty is not there uh maybe they reinvent res resistance mm -hmm. and they have all their games and they give you reason to stay because it's either going to be they're going to do that or you're going to have a lot of people switch over. So I don't know the, as a multi-platform owner, it doesn't bother me in the slightest if they gatekeep it. And there's a handful of people who can say that. And to me, I don't care if it stays behind one. And that's the greedy part talking. The part I don't like though, is the one guy who you, know, you can only afford one platform. You have your PlayStation, you have your buddies, the game you guys love the most and play is no longer available. I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, that's about kicking because the you know Phil, they're just not going to do that unless the math makes sense. But that's where I can kind of see it being an issue. But personally, greedily, I think I, I don't care, and I hope it <laughs> just adds innovation to Sony to give us a reason to stay. Because they're not going even if I don't think even if Call of Duty went behind Xbox, I don't think Sony is going to hurt. 
for any reason. I think that I think they have the potential to come up and uh, make some big moves. Yeah, um, I, I like that you bring up like resistance because um, if you look at what they've just became, because Xbox has always been known as the um, the shooter box. It's got all the good Shoot shooters box. on there, and now look at what Halo or Xbox is controlling now. They're gonna have Halo, they're gonna have Call of Duty, and they're gonna have Gears of War. You know, really only the other big uh, players are gonna be like Battlefield that's with Dice and Titanfall that's with Respawn. So if this encourages Sony to finally get off their ass and make a good first-person shooter or even bring back some, look at games like Medal of Honor or like SOCOM Navy SOCOM. SEALs. People have been dying to get their hands on that. Um, again, I think this is encourages them to, because they need to start filling that genre gap because mm -hmm. it's not, It's I think this is where it's not healthy. It's not healthy for one platform to own a genre. And right now, Microsoft <laughs> is owning FPSs, but I got to look at it in terms of like, you know, they just picked up King, which was a huge one. And they're, so they're going to be diving into mobiles. I'm not really sure how I feel about that, but that's going to be a huge uh, moneymaker for them. But as far as um, what you can see possibly moving into the future is that they're going to be getting, you know, I don't know if I want everything to be exclusive because because you still make if Crash Bandicoot, it's exclusive to, to Xbox. I don't know if anyone's hopping ship to play Crash Bandicoot or Spiral the Dragon, but if you st if your pitch is still, you guys can play it and pay $70 for it on PlayStation and yeah. Nintendo, but you can play it day and day on Game Pass. It's giving you a, you know Big the, the illusionary choice of, do I go get Game Pass or do I stay on my platform, which either way makes them money. So, mm -hmm. But when it comes to Call of Duty, I think things they're going to play around with is going to be more exclusive content like DLC and early access, because for the longest time... Sony was in control of when you got to play Call of Duty early compared to Microsoft and bonuses that you got and you'll never see that again. That'll never happen. Yeah. Microsoft is in complete control of all the eggs in that basket. So I see more things like timed exclusives happening, you know, because what they've been doing, it's like the same way they've been holding back Final Fantasy 7 remake. They said a year. It's, we're going on two. So I could imagine mm -hmm. that they're going to start doing things like you get the Crash Spyro games and you get StarCraft ones. for a year before they do it. And they no longer have to make a behind-the-scene behind deal with a third-party franchise because now that's them. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? They It's completely in their power to do things like that. And um, the other thing would be, and I know we were talking about it earlier, is what they're going to do with the PC Game Pass. Because one of the things that Phil Spencer was saying is that they're going to try to get as many Activision games on the Game Pass as possible but the question you know me and you were kind of kicking around is what are they going to do with pc because i know you're a big wow guy oh yeah i know you know what are they going to do with that so that's a question i've been kind of pondering yeah I, it would be awesome to see if wow got put on the game pass mm -hmm. which i you know i don't see why it wouldn't if it, you can take away the monthly subscription that a lot of people pay and you can tie that into a game pass ultimate subscription i think that's going to bring back a ton of people who don't play it anymore for one and just bring back i mean because like you were saying our uh final fantasy 14 14 yeah, it's been taken away over. a lot of their sales so if you can give wow back to a broader audience even i think that's going to do wonders for them yeah well because i think the subscription for wow is 15.99 15.99 and then they just added to where if you can pay in gold currency for it too oh, so potentially cool. you don't have to pay for a month but those are diehard fans. Right, have that's, the that's the same as doing the Game do Pass it. weekly challenges uh -huh. and paying it with points. Well, but, I mean, that's I mean, that's the same price for paying Game Pass Ultimate. Mm -hmm. So, instead of just paying your WoW subscription, they could potentially make you buy a 
Game Pass subscription, which is what they want to do, opens you up and to all then these add other that on there. So and jump into stuff that you would never play, and maybe do some some microtransactions there for some. Boost. So at the end of the day, do you think Call of Duty will be exclusive? And I, I'm not talking Warzone. I'm talking like mainline campaigns. Do you think it'll be? I can exclusive. I see, or do you think they'll make it cross? I can't see that being done for at least three years. They're gonna they're gonna weather. They're gonna see what happens. They're gonna do the math on this. If it makes more money for them to keep it on all platforms, they're gonna do that. If it's not, and they can make the same amount of money or more gatekeeping it, they're going to do that. I think you have to give that at least two or three years of time before you can even answer that. Yeah, so we at least got to wait for the next no, year to kick in. Eventually, yeah. I, it definitely could be. What about, um, uh, do you think they'll break the cycle of annual releases? No, because I think it's I think now it's tradition and I think it's expected. Well, and um, you have three teams, you know. I mean, it's not that because everyone goes the crunch, the crunch, the crunch. But when you have one team that has three years or two and a half years to work on it, that's not a bad cycle. It's not, and so, I, I think under their guidance, I think they can actually do it the right way at a game a year. And and um, now they get all the resources that Xbox has, you know. What I mean, so it, I think I think we're gonna start seeing Call of Duty in a resurgence because the other thing I didn't mean to interrupt no, you you're is, is they can now control the release dates of when games go against themselves. Their their biggest yeah. competitor was putting Halo against a Call of Duty. That'll never happen again. They're gonna have one game come out in summer, one game come out in fall, and they're gonna have an RPG come out, you know, during spring. So I mean, <laughs> the fact that they can now control the calendar is another huge thing that I don't think a lot of people are talking about. Because I mean, when you look back at like what happened with Titanfall when it got gobbled up by by when EA did it against its own game, yeah, that'll never happen again. And their biggest competitors were Call of Duty and um and like Battlefield, but Battlefield's slowly falling off. EA, you know, goes against itself and, you know, now they can control the Halo and Call of Duty launches. And I think that's extremely, um, it's a extremely key, powerful it's a thing. Playing they have, point, yeah. For sure, man. Um, so I don't know. That's a lot of what we had to say about that. Was there anything else you wanted to add or retouch on or elaborate on? No. So that is, guys, our big uh, story. That is everything that's going on with Activision and Xbox. If you guys have any other thing maybe we missed on or you guys wanted to bring to our attention or just discuss in the comments, please do that down below. So uh, since that was a pretty big story, guys, we're not going to do riffs this week, but we are going to answer one question from the audience. And that question comes from uh, Princess J, and they write, uh, I know you guys collect comic books. Do you collect cards too? Um, I don't know if we've answered something, but I know we've talked similarly about this in the past. Um, we did used to collect cards, especially me and you. And it started as sports cards. I remember we used to have those big old, you know, um, what would you call it? Like a little, like a like a sorting case. Yeah, we used to do sports, but then it... And there used to be a sports card shop here. Oh, we what was that guy's name? No clue. Oh, man, he I remember was cool. it was on 95. Uh, er Ernie, Earl. Earl, something like that, yeah. yeah. And then, but then it slowly moved into when, it, when we started getting into like more, grade, you know, the dorky grade. stuff. It was the Pokemon cards that we used to collect and play, and then it was Yu-Gi-Oh cards that we used to collect and play. And then we were hardcore into Magic: The Gathering when we used to go to Vegas all the time and do tournaments. Destiny but tournaments, yeah. I think that's kind of came and left. I mean, I still have a few cards that I that I like. I still have my Birds of Paradise and things like that. But as far as a collecting set goes of cards. I know my, my days are behind me. Do you still have any uh, boxes of anything? Do we sell it all? No, uh, we ended up losing all of our Pokemon shit, which we had the all the stuff you think is worth money. We actually had. I, like, I know we did. Uh, dude, all the first editions. I did you on first edition cards. So, but as you get older, I, I don't know. I would have still had that and collected it, but we lost it. 
Magic was our biggest collection. We actually ended up uh, selling out. <laughs> we didn't. We didn't sell out. We bought in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but recently, I've actually been buying um, uh, booster boxes again of sets that I like, uh, the vampire stuff and all that. So I'm tr slowly like kind of building back up my collection of Magic, but it's nowhere near what it was. Well, especially I, since a lot of the stuff is digital now. Like Gino played a I, lot I of Pokemon online. A lot of, online, a, a, a lot of MTG online. online and MTGA online, and even video games now. I buy online, the yeah. Game Pass, like my physical collection of stuff is slowly getting smaller over the years because like it's, it's one of the things I like about game. as an adult, I don't have the room. Yeah, I have a game room. It's packed, man. It's definitely <laughs> packed. I don't, hey, have the, here, baby. I don't have the room for a card collection I am anymore. suffocating Or in like I have something like this. It's already filled with old games that I have. I can't keep buying new games. So as an adult, I find digital to be the way to go for me i still buy physical stuff of stuff that i like statues now more is what i collect but as far as cards it takes up a lot of space and i just don't have it anymore yeah and it's weird because out of all the things we would collect like we moved into digital with cards and games but yet comics still seems to be the hard copies comics that we, I, yeah that we continue to get so like it's I've weird i never went to the digital face I, of I, comics well and I, I just don't i mean i've read them because especially when like dc used to do the dc app that completely failed um, you can get him. It's just, I find it weird because there is no big subscription service, at least that I found, and correct me if I'm wrong, service that lets you look at a thousand. It's always oh. buy one for a dollar, buy one for a dollar, oh, yeah, buy no, one for a dollar. So it's like, I don't want sure. that. Give me, let me pay for a subscription because I was cool about the DC one. It gave you a lot of um, DC comics, but it'll only be issue one through five. And there's too many comics to try to keep up digitally. When, you know, because I still have, like, boxes of all my hard of my hard copy stuff, so it's like... Well, you know what's funny is, like, I'm talking about I don't have the room. A lot of the front part of my game room, I have 12 boxes full of comics. Like, mm -hmm. and I, I never went digital comics. with it. Like, I could have the room for cards and stuff, but l literally it's comics. I used to work at a, at a Hastings, which had a huge comic book section. I have literally 12, 13 full boxes of, of comic books, and I have probably 50 CGC... 60 CGC comic books. So, I don't know. It's one of the things that I never really thought of digitizing. Um, and I don't think I will. I don't know. Yeah. So, we appreciate the question. Let us know if you've got any cool card collections that you are keeping. So, <laughs> Garbage Pill Kids. Gar my Garbage Pill Kids cards. Uh, so, guys, that is the end of episode uh, 120. Uh, my name is Craig Perales. That is Gino Perales. And until episode 121, cheers. Bam. Big game that you gotta play. Um, I don't know. Pathfinder Kingmakers. I I probably got another 20, 30 hours into this game. So, um, you time which, to take on these big challenges. Well, it's cool though because it actually it presents a lot of stuff in D and D that we never addressed, like the the traveling, the rations. Everyone does a job when you're sleeping. Random encounters. The the saves. But it makes you a baron of these lands after you beat the first act. And you really have to do a lot of these like diplomacy things and have your people like do missions. So I don't know. It, it's never played a game like that. Never really liked games like that. But I'm, I'm diving into it. What about you? Uh, Hitman 3 is the next one I want to start. And I know it just came to the pass. So I've kind of been waiting. I got Well, that Pokemon Arceus game comes out Ooh. on the 28th. So and I still got to finish Diamond. So yeah. I got like four days to finish that. You big it on it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, I got to finish the gunk too, so I'm not. I'm not quite I'm tired of hearing it. about this gunk. <laughs> I don't know what it is.
It's a, it's a game. <laughs> it's a game. It's a game. People play it. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But Hitman 3 is the next big one I want to do. And uh, I'm trying to think the next big thing that comes in February. No, I don't think it's... I think that Triangle game comes in March. Triangle, so. yeah, yeah. Um, the Horizon, I think, comes in February. So. Hey, this whole quarter's action-packed. Packed to the brim. Brim. 